Hey folks, thanks for coming on back to this, our second installment of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less, uh, where each week I read my weekly column and uh, give you some insights about that. As we get uh, going forward in this and I start to learn uh, a bit more about podcasts, we'll continue to add to the production values of it and make it better and better each and every week. That I can promise you. Uh, maybe we'll add some theme music, uh, get some guests in here. Uh, but for right now, as we're just starting to learn uh, all the ins and outs of the world of podcasting, uh, what I think you can expect to get each and every week is not only uh, the insights um, that you might get from my column, uh, but me giving you a little bit of the background about what I was thinking about in writing that column and about what some of my thoughts were, what led me to uh, think about that was a, a good topic to explore. And None better uh, place to start with that than this week's column uh, called The Portland Utopia. Uh, it's, this week's column is based upon uh, the fact that I, whether or not you're aware, uh, just recently in November, the November elections, uh, Oregon went and passed the law decriminalizing all recreational drug use, uh, everything, no matter what it is, from heroin uh, down to aspirin, you can walk the streets of Portland uh, and not get arrested. Now, decriminalization is different than legalization. Uh, none of it is legal, uh, but there it takes the criminal justice system out of uh, the war on drugs and turns it into a public health issue. And it's something that has intrigued me for a while. You know, it's funny living here in Colorado, uh, the first state to legalize uh, recreational marijuana use. Um, it was really interesting. I had uh, my ex's parents who are devoutly conservative. And I remember when uh, the issue of marijuana legalization came up and I was talking to them about it for the first time. And I was really surprised to hear that they were all for it when it came up on the ballot here in Colorado. And I, I remember asking why. I was like, you guys, clearly, clearly you don't smoke weed. In fact, it would probably be better if you kind of did. But um, the fact is that I knew that they didn't. And so when I talked to them about it, they, they made two points. Number one, um, the inevitably, the, it's uh, the idea of liberty and freedom is the right of people to choose for themselves. And secondly, that it would add to the tax revenue. Uh, and it got me thinking that there's a real case to be made for drug legalization and decriminalization, regardless of whether you do the drugs or not. Uh, and so when I heard about the new law in Portland, I thought no better case, uh, no better time uh, to take on that subject. So with no further ado, uh, this is a Portland utopia. Amidst all the chaos of the 2020 election, many of you probably missed a significant little happening up there in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the Antifa protests or the fact that Russell Wilson might actually garner a few MVP votes this year. I'm referring to the fact that Oregon voters approved a ballot initiative decriminalizing the limited possession of personal amounts of all drugs. Yes, you heard that correctly. And with that, it's time to pack up your bags, round up the kids, and move to Oregon. And yes, that does mean all drugs. Coke, meth, black tar, heroin, which is always funny. Tylenol, etc., nighttime formula, name your fancy, and I can now walk the streets of Portland. Portland carrying any of them and knowing that I won't be thrown in the back of a squad car and hauled down to the local county lockup. Huh, who am I kidding? I'm white. That wasn't going to happen to me anyway. But that's not the case for a lot of folks. According to the Sentencing Project, there are 2.2 million people in the nation's prisons and jails, a 
500% increase over the last 40 years. The United States leads the rest of the industrialized world with an incarceration rate of more than 6 per 1,000 residents, and drug offenses make up 46.2% of the total imprisonments of the United States. A series of law enforcement and sentencing policy changes of the tough-on-crime era resulted in dramatic growth in incarceration. Since the official beginning of the war on drugs in the 1980s, the number of people incarcerated for drug offenses in the U.S. skyrocketed from 40,900 in 1980 to 452,964 in 2017. Today, there are more people behind bars for a drug offense than the number of people who were in prison or jail for any crime in 1980. And of course, mass incarceration has not impacted all communities equally. Overall, African Americans are more likely than white Americans to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. <laughs> and guess what? Once convicted, they're more likely to face stiff sentences. Black men are six times as likely to be incarcerated as white men, and Hispanic men are more than twice as likely to be incarcerated as non-Hispanic uh, non white men. All in the name of being tough on crime. But should this even be a crime? Now, just for clarification purposes, we are not... We're talking about decriminalization here, not legalization. You cannot go doing lines off a hooker's backside in the middle of the streets of Portland. First, I'm not even really sure Portland has hookers, but even if they did and you were somehow into that kind of thing, decriminalize just means that the consequences for doing so results in nothing more than a citation and does not constitute a misdemeanor or felony. It's still legal, you just can't go to jail for that shit which, as far as I'm concerned, is a much-needed step in the right direction. This position deeply concerned my 11-year-old the other night at the dinner table. But, Daddy, you don't do math, she protested in her most earnest tone. Sad I had to lie to her, I said. Of course I don't, sweetheart, but that's not the point. The point here isn't whether I personally choose to smoke crack rocks on a perfectly good Saturday afternoon or not. Because in the end, my stance has nothing to do with my own individual decisions. It comes down to a matter of personal freedom and choice. Ironically, of course, the folks most in favor of tougher drug laws are also the same sort who love to go around waving the American flag and shouting freedom at the top of their lungs, largely due to their own ignorance of just what the term actually means. Fleeing the persecution of what they saw as a tyrannical government that trampled upon the individual liberties of its citizens our founding fathers were intent on establishing personal choice as a hallmark of American democracy. Their notion was that each and every citizen should be bestowed with the personal right to do whatever the hell they want, as long as those actions do not impact the health and well-being of others. This holds true even when those individual decisions are stupid as hell. In other words, you have every right to be a moron and kill yourself slowly with bad decisions, just as long as you're only hurting yourself. But Stephen, you might suggest, what about someone who commits crimes like holding up a liquor store in order to appease their raging addiction? Aren't they hurting others? Well, of course they are. But the crime here isn't the drug use itself, but rather the act of theft. Yes, we should hold people accountable for crimes committed while under the influence or the addictive impulses of drugs. But why criminalize the drug use itself? The drugs aren't holding up the liquor store. I mean, if anything, it's the gun the perpetrator is holding that's doing that one, and <laughs> we all know that we sure as shooting aren't making guns illegal anytime soon. In the end, this comes down to entrusting the citizens of this country with true liberty and individual choice. I know, I know. Our recent track record doesn't exactly instill a lot of confidence in this regard. 
But that's what the notion of freedom is truly all about. It is about allowing people to decide for themselves what they will and will not do with their own bodies. But it is also about personal accountability. Left to our own devices, we then become solely responsible for the choices we make. No more excuses, no more bullshit, and everything that comes with it, the health impacts, the mental state of mind, the precipitate behaviors that accompany them, we own all of these with the choices we make. And Oregonians have opted to place that choice and a metric shit ton of hallucinogenic mushrooms back in the hands of its able citizens. Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, can't wait to be back next week uh, with our Thanksgiving edition of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Uh, we'll be back with my annual column, uh, What I Am Grateful For. So uh, with that, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.